for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Well, friends, welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 19. I can't believe it. And this is another special episode in my Conversations from the Road series. In this episode, I chat with a comedian actor, Michael Jr. We sat down backstage at a conference we were doing for Dave Ramsey and had a great conversation that I'm about to share with you. Michael Jr. is one of the funniest people you will ever hear. One of the things that I love about Michael Jr. is that he's funny, he's clean, he's witty, and he will knock your socks off. Michael Jr. has been all over the country. He has hit every major national talk show and uh, late night show, and he is a force to be reckoned with. And parents, as a reminder, don't just download these episodes. Click subscribe, because when you do that, you're joining my parenting revolution. Every new episode will automatically show up in your subscribed list. You won't regret it. And we'd love for you to write a review of us on iTunes. Let me know what you think of these podcasts. Do you like them? Do you not like them? What do you want to hear about? What are you struggling with? I want to write these podcasts around topics that help you because you are the one in the trenches. I've been there and now I'm a grandparent and I remember, but I am here to serve you and to help you enjoy parenting better and to be the parent that you really know and want to be. So please write to me and let me know what you want. Friends, have you signed up for my email newsletter? Just go to megmeekermd.com and sign up and I've got a free gift for you. Plus, you and I will keep in touch. I've got a brand new book coming out in a few months and I'll be announcing it along with some other fun things and giveaways to those only on my email list. So sign up today. So parents, thanks for listening. This is episode number 19 and I know you're going to love our conversation from the road with Michael Jr. Michael Jr. is a great friend, a very funny man. So let's take a listen in as I talk with Michael Jr. This is Dr. Meg Meeker, and I'm in Los Angeles at Dave Ramsey Smart Conference at the Shrine Auditorium, and I have the funniest man in America sitting right next to me, Michael Jr. Michael, wow, thank you. That was so awesome. Thanks for saying that. We're sitting on a couch just to set it out for everybody, but it's, it's, it's like 12 people in here, so it's not creepy. <laughs> yeah, no. you, you just got done with your comedy routine just got off the stage yes yes and um you know the thing that's wonderful about you is that most comedians are very crass and i hate that because i think it takes away from their humor but you never are and is it were you always a clean comedian or or <laughs> wait a minute um is it because of your faith that you keep your jokes clean or is it is that just who you are no i never i was i didn't become a christian i didn't get any faith until i was uh 27 and i started doing comedy when i was like 20 okay so how did your comedy change my comedy was always clean because um i had my first kid around 20 
And I remember looking at my child, my daughter, and I thought to myself, I want her to be able to come to my event. Yeah. So uh, what, what happened before that, me and my friend, actually, at 14 years old, we made a deal that we wouldn't curse anymore. If he, could, if he heard me curse, he'd hit me in the chest as hard as he wanted to and vice versa. So why did you make that? Where'd that come from? We just wanted to expand our vocabulary, which was ridiculous then. But we just, it kind of stuck. And then once I had my children, I, I told him, I said, listen, anything I ever say on stage, you can repeat it. So it created some some built-in accountability, and I wasn't fully even aware of it. So do they tell you your jokes at home? So they hear a joke, and they come home, and they tell you your joke no, at the dinner they table? No, might, they might mention something about the joke or say that one of their friends saw me on TV or something, but they're not necessarily doing my joke. That would be a little weird. That'd be <laughs> It'd be a little very weird. weird. Your, no. your, your kids never came home with some little babies and they were <laughs> no. they were giving them medication and stuff hey writing prescriptions that would no it would be very yeah. weird do your are you funny around the house or are you just are you serious around the house i think i'm uh i think we have a good time around the house i mean people ask a lot if i'm uh they ask my wife is he just joking all the time no because i gotta no. be a dad yeah so uh it's fun i think it's very very important that we laugh but also you know, I take being a father first, as opposed to just because all comedians, if if they're wise enough, if they can recognize it, the only reason you're getting on stage initially is for acceptance. Really? Absolutely. There's some somewhere down the line, something happened and now they're trying to get accepted. Why else would you get on stage in front of all these people? So what happens to the comedian who doesn't make it? And does he just, I mean, how do you recover from that? I mean, a, a comedian who doesn't get accepted. Well, I think he becomes something else uh, or gets really disappointed. But even now, there's comedians that you know who are at the top, but they still haven't felt that, filled that void. Yeah. So they do crazy stuff like running down the street with no clothes on, gun in their hand. Like, it, it goes, you end up finding them in a hotel, like... Crazy. It's the same stuff Crazy. over and over again because they're looking for that acceptance and they didn't realize that they don't need the acceptance of man. Let's talk about Michael Jr., the dad. You have one of the cutest kids I've ever seen. Yeah, I just met her in the awesome. hall. Yeah, she saw. I got five of them. And, and I walked down the hall and I saw her in her arms. She looked like she was just going to choke you. She was holding on to you it's so one of my tight. Favorite. She's my youngest, so she will run and uh, hug me still. Where my other kids, my other kids, as soon as they got over. 14 right around that time they stopped doing that because they used to run to the door all the day all the time and then suddenly they stopped and at first it did hurt a little bit i was like oh man but you know what i decided to do was uh i said you know what they're no longer running towards me because they think they're all cool and stuff so i'm going to return the favor of how i felt all those times when they ran to me so when any of my kids even my oldest daughter is 23 when she comes to the door i run to her and give her a hug and a kiss Every you single too. time. Every single time. How does she respond? Door. She she loves it. She responds very well. I have a 19-year-old who's like, Dad, what are you doing? And then I have an 18-year-old who is neutral. And then uh, I do it with my son, too. Yeah, yeah. I do the same thing with it's my son. It's so important. Hug your son. You know, men hug him. My, my husband always does that with her son, and I just think it's it's huge. And he did it with, with his dad. What are your biggest struggles as a dad? Because you have a wide range. You have a 24 to 6-year-old? Yeah, 23 and a six-year-old. So what are your biggest struggles as a dad? Is uh, being letting them fail. Mm. Just letting them do it, even though I can see that there's a step they're missing. But they're probably going to fall down the steps, so I have to be okay with it and just let them fall. It's hard, isn't oh. it? But it's, it, would, it would be cruel not to let them fail. It would be worse, because then there's a cliff after mm -hmm. those steps that yep. they miss. So 
It's really, 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 really hard. But I'm, I'm glad they can make small mistakes now and just, you know. Are there kids of yours that make more, that fail more often than the other ones? Uh, it seems like my son is really, uh, he's got his share of, of that going on right now. But I think boys are a little, uh, they got to bump their head a little more. Yeah. Where girls kind of get it. They're like, wait a minute, that, that hurt. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm not doing that anymore. My son is like. It didn't hurt that much. Or I don't even remember it hurting. Boom. Okay. There yeah, it is. Now I remember. There it is. So yep. see you later there. Boom. Oh, wow. It's still there, isn't it? Boom. Okay. <laughs> you travel a lot. So how do you uh, maintain a, you know, healthy relationships with your kids and your wife when you're on the road? Well, I travel about nine days out of a month. We set a limit. I, t- I sat down with the family and I said, what, what's comfortable for you guys? Really? Yeah. And then I said, right now I'm doing, I think I was doing seven and i said hey we want to move it up but what's comfortable for you so then we start doing nine or so maybe once in a while we'll do 11 with travel but uh but i would talk to the kids in the midst of that and i'd say hey how do you feel right now do you feel like you're getting enough time with me and then i would purposely try to take them with me even on some of those people always ask me what you, you you get to see all these places what's your favorite place to to go i'm like home home is my favorite place to go yeah and do you do your kids like to travel with you my son loves to. My six-year-old loves to. All of them at one time really love to, but now they got responsibilities and jobs. Well, and they go through phases. You know, those teenage girls, you know, they're so uncomfortable with life and themselves. And You said something on stage that was so awesome. because our, And I'll just tell you my version of what you said because this really happened, and it was a pivotal point in my childhood and now even my manhood. I grew up in a home that was, it wasn't unfamiliar to drug use at all. And um, one of my dad's friends, I think he was maybe smoking marijuana or something on the porch or something or whatever. And then right before he lit it up, he said, he saw me walk up. And um, he said, is it okay? He said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to smoke this in front of your son. Is it okay if I keep, or do you want me to put it out? And my dad says, my son's not like you. He would never do drugs. He doesn't, he, he's way, way too smart for that. So I'm not, you can do whatever you want. And I'm telling you, Meg, that right there, like, I felt like a superhero. You do. I've never done drugs. I had NyQuil one time. Like, I'm not doing any drugs at all. It was done, just like you said. You become what your parents believe you are. Yes, but the the money behind that is the fact that um, I don't know if, I don't, I can't remember the exact positioning, but I don't even know if my dad knew that I was there which has so much more value because right. he's not saying it as a result of me being there trying to, pr- I just, it was in his heart. You knew it was real. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was like with me and my dad on the phone call, it means so much more because they don't even know you're hearing. Uh, and you go, wow, that's what they really believe about me. Then that's what you start to believe about so you. So just now when you met my daughter, the first, what I do is, uh, so me and you, and I think all parents should do this. This is an idea I came up with and I do this on a regular. I just did it just now. You probably didn't notice it. But you know how when they when you're about to get on stage and speak mm-hmm. like you did, you have an intro. Mm-hmm. They talk about what you've done, what you've accomplished. I do that with my kids when they meet new people. Oh. I'll give them an intro. So just now with you, I said she's really good at soccer. She's smart, obedient. And then I'll just, and I'll say, this is Portland. So it's almost like I am introducing her, but yet encouraging her as well to a new person. Mm-hmm. And that's mainly because my dad, when he said that thing about me, mm-hmm. he was speaking to someone else, but he was speaking into my heart. Right. And I think if we 
write down and have a plan for how we will introduce our kids to new people. It's just a new opportunity to reinforce how you feel about it. Even to introduce them. Because I've seen so many people, if if like a mother is in a grocery store and she's got a couple kids with her, say they're 10 and 12, and somebody comes up to talk to you, introduce your kids to them. Absolutely. You know, but so many mothers or parents will just, oh, they're not there, they're not there. And then the child believes, I really am invisible. But if you if you introduce them to your friends, they go, wow, I'm, they're really proud of me. Exactly. I'm a real person. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment with more of my conversation from the road with Michael Jr. Parents, I know so many of you are trying to live healthier lives. But if you're like me, you know that on many days, living a healthy lifestyle plays second fiddle to living a hectic lifestyle. That's a struggle we're all familiar with. So let me tell you about Daily Energy, the natural one-a-day solution that will help keep you on the right track every single day. Daily Energy helps your body absorb nutrients from the foods you're already eating because it has digestive enzymes and essential prebiotics and probiotics. Daily Energy also delivers the antioxidant equivalent of 10 servings of fruits and veggies. Think how long it would take you to prepare that every day. Just for being a faithful listener of this podcast, they've got a special offer for you. You can try Daily Energy for yourself and save 30% when you go to getdailyenergy.com forward slash Meg. Friends, you don't have to sacrifice healthy just because you're busy. Just go to getdailyenergy.com forward slash Meg and get 30% off your daily energy order today. Moms, you're going to want to listen to this. I know you're busy. You've got the kids, the job, the demands, the expectations, and of course, you still need to feed your family healthy meals. But that means another trip wandering around the grocery store trying to figure out what to buy and what to cook for dinner. Let me tell you about Prep Dish. Prep Dish is a meal planning service that sends you an email each week with a grocery list and a prep ahead list so you can easily get all your meals ready for the week minus the stress. The recipes you get from Prep Dish will only take one to three hours to cook, but will get you set with a week's worth of meals. Just imagine how much time that'll save you. Your family will eat delicious, healthy meals like smoky paprika chicken legs with roasted carrots, parsnips and fennel, or turkey and zucchini lasagna, all with food you buy at your favorite grocery store. But this time, armed with all the tools you'll need to save time in the kitchen so you can give that time back to your family. Friends, listeners of my Parenting Great Kids podcast can get started today with a free two-week trial of prep dish by going to prepdish.com forward slash parenting don't waste any more time playing the meal planning guessing game go to prepdish.com forward slash parenting to start your free two-week trial today so it's really small changes in parenting that make huge changes in a child's character yeah because if you look at that you could either introduce your kid which means you're introducing you're saying hey this is a person that exists Or you could not introduce them. But there's really no neutral there. So one of them is probably damaging and the other one is uplifting. But there's nothing in the middle. It's either one or the other. So I think we should really introduce. And write an intro. Like know in advance what you would say. Like I knew I was going to go to soccer. I knew. Because if not, in the heat of the moment, you don't have anything. So think about what they've accomplished. Yeah, Yeah, you're just like, oh, this is... this is Portland. And then you'll have, but I actually think about what I want to say before. So do you have, have you, do you have an intro for all of your kids? For all Each my of kids. kids. I have an intro yeah. for all of them. And how about with your wife? It normally starts with, I, I say, this is my amazing, beautiful, tremendous wife 
who's has a ministry uh, that ministers to women. In fact, I just wrote a slogan for her ministry. She has a marriage ministry for the unmarried. You mean so people who have not yet gotten married or exactly. parents? Okay. Mm-hmm. People who have not yet. So she wrote this book called Before He Finds You that prepares women. Because she did all of this stuff before, before I found her. She did. She was praying for me. And I was a single. I was a single. Uh, I was single. I was out there. I could have did anything I wanted, and I just lost the urge mm. to do. I'm at a comedy club. I got all these people laughing, and for some reason, I'm like, you know what? I just I'm not gonna date. I'm not gonna. I went four years, and then I met her, and then we started talking about prayer. She showed me her prayer scar. I was like, it was you. I was trying to have fun. You were praying <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. So the stuff she's done. I mean, she's pretty amazing. So where'd you meet her? I met her at church. Went to the same church for three years, 600 members, two services. We went to the same service I never saw. I, had, I didn't see her for three years. I was on stage there. She never saw me. My eyes were closed until God, God was like, okay, now you're ready. Right. Well, there's probably a reason that he didn't want you to meet earlier because you weren't ready. I wasn't ready. Yeah. She was still praying. I was still playing, trying to get my stuff figured out. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then did you date very long before you got married? No. We met in April. I'm sorry. We met in December. I proposed in April. We were married in August. Sounds like me. You know what Les would say about that. Les would not be happy about that. Please. Les wasn't holding on for four years. I'm going to throw that out there real quick. <laughs> You're going to edit that part right there, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> yeah. We're talking about Les Parrott, who says you should date for at least two years before you get I married. I completely disagree. Yeah. Yeah, I disagree with Les. Uh, I just saw him and his wife arguing in the hallway anyway. So that, <laughs> yeah, <but>. Les and <laughs> Leslie. Les and Leslie. Both just arguing and throwing... What are your hopes for your kids? Do you have, I mean, do you, do you talk to them about what you want for them in life? Or, and I mean, I know they're all different. But. No, 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 I do. My, my hopes is that they would, for me, and I've, me and my wife fully agree with this, I want them to passionately serve God all the days of their life. I really, really, really do. And I want them, uh, and I, my prayer is that they would, uh, they would help establish his kingly rule in this physical, visible realm. And I pray for their purpose, and I'm thinking about their purpose, and I'm constantly digging in, and I'm asking them questions, and I'm showing them new things and doing as much as I can to be as supportive I can, without being too much in their space and without over-providing, because some stuff you just got to work out. You got to pay for it. You have to. Yeah. And it's, but it's so hard. And particularly as a successful dad, I'm sure you could just sort of give your kids anything. Right. But you have to have the self-control to withhold. I do. I don't pay for college. I pay for half college. You pay for the other half. You mm-hmm. got to work it out. You yeah. Know you can. Yep. I bought a car. I buy them a car, but I bought them half a car. So they can only turn left. No, I'm just playing. So <laughs> I bought, yeah. I'll pay for half. And then when they put the other half, whatever they have, I'll match it. Yeah. So we just had some guidelines set up where, you know, because nothing was handed to me. I mean, it just wasn't. Yeah. My dad provided, but then I had to provide it. After I was, I moved out when I was 16. He was like, I said, hey, dad, I'm moving out. He's like, it's about time. Seriously, yeah. was your was your mom at home? Yeah, yeah. But okay. my parents are still married. They're awesome. So, wh- why did you leave at sixteen? My dad. I paid rent since I was fourteen years old. My dad had me paying rent because I had a job. He was like, "Well, you need to pay rent." And I remember I was paying like two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Wow. And I was like, because uh, I had a job at an oil change place. He actually had got me the job. So I had a job at an oil change place. I was playing football, and I was also, uh, you know, going to school in high school. He, I paid two hundred fifty dollars a month in rent. And then one day I said to him, for all this money, and, and I had to do all my chores and all this stuff. And I said to my dad one day, for all this money, I can have my own place. He was like, Uh-oh. exactly. Uh-oh. Yeah. He's like, now nah, you get it. And that was one of the best things. I, it was like. 16, though, Michael. That's awfully young. It so, is young. So when did you know, at what point in your um, 
in your career did you know I'm going to be a comedian when I grow up? I mean, I know I've I've heard you say, you know, when you were younger, you would think a lot of things and you couldn't yeah. respond. But um, yeah, I, I think it was right around. Me and some friends went to a movie right straight out of high school, went to a movie, and everyone was making plans to go to college and doing all this stuff. And college really wasn't like for me, really, because they would they would say stuff like, "Hey, I'm going to the university of this after school." I was like, "Michael Junior, what you doing after school?" I was like. I'm going to go make a sandwich or something. I don't know what are you talking about? <laughs> so I remember we went to the movie theaters and uh, a friend, uh, the, we're watching a movie and in the middle of the movie, like this really happened. In the middle of the movie, the screen went blank. In the middle of the movie. Mm. And a friend, and the lights came on. There was like this big stage in front of the, the movie, in mm-hmm. front of the screen. And my friend, a German exchange student said to me, I dare you go tell a joke. That's what he said. How old were you? I was uh, 17 years old, mm-hmm. and I, you know, because we were just graduating, so I'm 18 years old. In fact, I think I was 17 when I moved out. So anyway, he said to me, I dare you go tell a joke. And the only joke I knew was a dirty joke. Oh. And my friend, who I had to pat with that you couldn't, we couldn't curse, was there as well. So I, I, anytime you dare me to do something at a time, I'll do it. So I stood up, and all I got is this dirty joke. So I had to rewrite this joke as I walked down there in my head. Mm-hmm. And the reason I was able to rewrite the joke is because, like I mentioned on stage, I had a hard time reading when I was a kid, so it caused me to look at things differently. Yes. So I rewrote this dirty joke in my head so it was clean, and I got up on stage, and I did this joke in front of these people, and they all laughed. And I felt a high for the first time ever mm. in my life. I'd never done any drug. I felt this high, and I can't explain to you the sensation. It was amazing. Then um, the audiences applaud, and they're all happy. And then they want another joke. Do another, do Siri. another one. Oh, wow. And I was like, no, because I didn't have anything. And I know you got to get out early. So I, so I went and sat back down, and security comes running in to kick me out. And these people who I don't even know, this, this white lady stands up and says, if you kick him out, I want my money back. Then these bikers with long hair and tattoos and these black people, all these people stand up and they say, if you kick them out, we all want our money back. Wow. I was amazed. All I did was give them a little part of me and they gave me all this love and response. Yeah. And I can look back at that and that was clearly a glimpse of what I was called to do. It feels good when you're using your gift and God is there and God is clearly giving you. Do you have favorite jokes? My favorite joke is uh, my son. It's true. It really happened. My son looked at me... uh, he was four years old, and he looked at me out of nowhere. And he said, Dad, I want to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was excited, like, yes, yes. Then he said, or a dinosaur. <laughs> like, that was my favorite. <laughs> Just completely Sorry, amazing. Completely <laughs> that amazing. That is really good. My guest is Michael Jr., Truly, I think the funniest man in the country. I don't know you're any comedians so awesome. out outside the, but you are just you're just fabulous. Well, and the, the, the comment was awesome. To you said I don't know any other comedians. Thanks a lot for that. No, no, outside the country. Oh, okay. Outside the country. <laughs> you're the funniest comedian ever. No, no, no. I don't know any other. I don't watch TV. No, no, in America, oh, in America, awesome. for sure. You are. You you're are. So awesome. Because how because are you getting prettier? Oh, Every single Michael. event. Like you're getting prettier getting older. and prettier. Because you like my message. That's what makes me prettier to you. I'm just saying, it's really. But again, there's 12 people in the room, everybody. Again, <laughs> there's are <laughs> Wow. So, Michael, how can people get hold of you? You wrote a children's book. I did. I wrote a children's book. It's called The Parts We Play. Yes. And uh, if they go to michaeljr.com, don't go to Michael Jr. spelled out. It's a little kid spelling, selling vacuum cleaners. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> so, if you go to michaeljr.com, you can see all of my stuff. And then on all social media platforms, I'm Michael J.R. Comedy. So they can link up with me there. That'll be uh, mad cool. And um, 
I'm excited, Mick. I think you're awesome. I told you. Like, listen, hear me on your show. We are going to do something amazing together, dealing with what splits the Old Testament and the New, the last line. Is, did, you ever, did you realize that before I said that ever? Oh, Malachi amazing. The last line and then silence. So do you think God was serious? Oh. Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Wait, so you, you said 300 years. Did, is that what you said after yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Didn't, isn't that true? Yeah, there were about oh. 300 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament and God went silent. But that's what he said before he said it. So you got to take that seriously. I'm, I'm in. Yes, you are. We're about are. to do some stuff. Yes, we do. We got to do some stuff together because I, I know you go into prisons. I've seen you go into prisons. Why you got to talk about that right now? What's going on? Oh, 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 you mean for comedy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We take comedy to prison. That's what you're saying. She's not talking about that fucking ticket stuff. <laughs> you don't know. He goes and ministers men there. Michael, thank you. You're, I just, you're just, this has been a, a real delight. And God thank bless you. You got, a, you got a lot of great, great things ahead of you. Meg, you're awesome. Thank you. So pretty. <laughs> so are you, Michael. Hey, I don't want to be pretty. I'm a grown man. <laughs> Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation from the road with Michael Jr. I know I did. I enjoyed being with him, talking to him about his experiences, about his life, about his struggles. And I always enjoy his humors. He's so much fun to be with. But you know, even when he's not on and telling jokes and talking about comedy. He's a really good man. He's a great dad. He's a great husband. He's the real deal. And that's what I just love so much about Michael Jr. You know, so many times we look at celebrities and we wonder, what are they really like? You know, are they always funny or are they, are they just kind of putting on a show for us, but they're really a different person when they're at home and behind the scenes? And I'm here to tell you, friends, of what I know about Michael Jr., he's the real deal. And that's why I appreciate him so much. And I really wanted to bring him on my podcast to let you see a peek into who this person of Michael Jr. is. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation. Go to YouTube and listen to more of his stuff. He's hysterical. And share Michael Jr.'s humor and comedy with all of your friends. Because again, I think that whenever we find great comedians who are clean and who are really really funny. We really owe it to our friends to share the humor of those people with our close friends. So I hope that you do that. So thank you so much for listening, friends. And remember, until next time, great kids are raised, not born. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Parenting Great Kids. You can like Dr. Meg on Facebook and follow her on Twitter at Meg Meeker MD. Just as a reminder, go to MegMeekerMD.com and sign up for the newsletter for giveaway opportunities and updates. And don't forget to share the podcast, write us a review, and click subscribe.